I like to see people bouncing like that when, when music comes on. So it makes me feel proud that I picked a relatively fun, fun, fun song for the podcast. So. Well, welcome everyone to Church Potluck, where we are serving up a smorgasbord of Christian curiosity. I'm your host, Dale McConkey, sociology professor and United Methodist pastor. And there are two keys to a good church potluck. Plenty of variety and engaging conversation. And this is exactly what we are trying to do here on Church Potluck, sitting down with friends and sharing our ideas on a variety of topics from a variety of academic disciplines and a variety of Christian traditions. And I am excited about today's podcast, not only because we got some good friends to, to join, but we're uh, embarking on a, a new endeavor. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. So first, we have the eminent Reverend Dr. Jonathan Huggins. Yeah, the crowd goes wild. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Huggins, introduce, introduce yourself. All right, greetings. Thanks, Dale. It's good to be back here. I'm John Huggins. I'm the chaplain at Barry and teach in the religion department here. And I'm also an ordained Anglican priest. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. And our other guest is a familiar face, but not a familiar name. We have Gabrielle Rose. Yay! And I guess the formal way to say it is Nay Marquez. So, <laughs> yes. yes used to, uh, I really haven't seen you much since your nuptials uh, in November. So congratulations on that. Another applause. Aww. Even a loud applause. <laughs> Whoa, the crowd's fast, so. Thank you, Dale. Yes, I'm Gabrielle Rose, and I'm glad to be here. It's been a minute since I've been on the podcast. And yes, um, we have missed you and open invitation. Come on whenever you want. You, so. Thank you. Yes, I work in the chaplain's office with John and help do college ministry here. I'm a Barry alum, and I'm in my master's program for clinical mental health counseling. And how far along are you in that so far? I am in my last year. Yeah. So. More yeah, applause. Yeah. It's an exciting time. <laughs> it, it is. I'm sure a busy time. So now you're married. You've had a little taste of marriage. What's one of the things that through your premarital preparation that you learned that has been invaluable? Or what is something that you have learned on the job, so to speak, mm-hmm. that you wish you had known before you got. Hard to pinpoint just like one thing that has been invaluable, but I think we had a good premarital counselor and he sparked lots of conversations and kind of pine through different topics. And so I think talking ahead of time did help, but of course there's nothing quite like doing the thing. <laughs> yeah. And just learning daily life. How do you share the things you're responsible for and enjoy life together. I think being a newlywed, it's it's fun. It's really fun. And I do, I'm grateful for the people who are like, take marriage very seriously, obviously. And there are very difficult things about marriage, but I don't know that anyone highlighted just how fun it is. Oh, and cool. it's like, we've just enjoyed it. We've laughed a lot. The companionship of it has been a wonderful blessing. Cool. Well, I don't have an awe button, so I'll just I'll, yeah. I'll try to mimic it. Aww. <laughs> so, no. Very good. That's, that's, that's cool. You know what crossed my mind as I was preparing for this episode? It might be good for the three of us. It'd be fun to come on. And since all of us have been involved in premarital counseling and, and things like that, and we've all now been married, yeah. is to come on. And we're not quite generations apart. I think mm. 20s, 40s, and approaching 60. So, yes. so from the three different generations mm. having a conversation about marriage from our various vantage points. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. All right. I'd like that. Well, very cool. But that's not what we're doing today. What we are doing today 
is our first foray into kind of a side project or a complimentary project uh, that I'm doing here with Church Potluck. And I've already shared the, the music with you before, but I want to do it one more time. Y'all recognize the music? Surprise Superstar. Yeah. With a twist. <laughs> All right, that's right. We're doing Jesus Christ Movie Star. This has been an interest of mine for, I think, over 20 years that I taught a class on religion and film, and I told my students that we're going to specifically focus on the way Jesus has been portrayed Mm -hmm. on films 20, 25 years ago. I said this is going to be called Jesus Christ Movie Star, and I've always been curious about the ways that Jesus is represented in culture in general, but in this particular case in film. Mm -hmm. And there really has been a very big change both by secular portrayals of Jesus and within the Christian community, the way that Jesus is portrayed. And I think that makes a big impact on the way we read the Bible and understand who Christ is. So that's something I'm interested in. And this is a little bit premature for us to do this or for me to get into this, but I decided to go ahead and do this because of today's episode, we're talking about The Chosen, and it's had three uh, seasons so far, and the fourth season just now began. Uh, The fourth season has just now been released in movie theaters, and it will be out in streaming eventually. And so I wanted to maybe, we'll, we'll see what happens, but maybe spend some time going through season four fairly methodically as it comes out and as as it's on streaming. One of the things we should go ahead and say right now while we are talking about movies, as always when we talk about movies... Spoiler alert. We're not going to hold back on anything. We're just going to talk about the movie, and so there will be plenty of spoilers all throughout this. Like I said, this is about The Chosen, and I don't know what percentage of our audience is even aware of this. When did you all... uh, find out and under, learn about The Chosen. Did you know about it the very first season when it opened up? When was the first season? I want to say 2017, but I'm not sure about that. Okay, then it was, I didn't hear about it until much later. I probably didn't hear about it till 2019, maybe. Okay. Yes, but I had someone recommend it. I remember I was on a trip with the Windshape College program and we had a guest counselor on the trip with us and she was evangelizing about the chosen on the trip. She's like, this is the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen. If you have not watched this, you must go home and watch it. And I was interested. And Good. Did. We're going to, we're going to obviously get your opinions more later, but do you concur with her? I, yes. Uh, no, I think I'm a big advocate for it and have not even finished all of it. I, I think I've just watched episodes very slowly and as there's time, but I've enjoyed like slowly digesting the content. Okay, mm-hmm. great. How about you? Have, have Yeah, I first heard about it at some point during the first season from a minister friend whose opinion on artistic things I trusted and I thought we would give it a try. And his recommendation was powerful because I think that typically I'm not set up to like these kinds of things, these sort of dramatic portrayals of Jesus because they feel weird or they're doing something that I think is not really historically accurate or theologically helpful or they make Jesus strange in some way. And so I wasn't like excited to start watching it immediately. But this friend of mine said, it's not perfect, but it's beautiful. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. Wow. Wow. And then we've watched all three seasons as a family. Very 
excited about the fourth one. That's, that's very cool. And I suspect that you and I are coming from a very similar place. It's weird that I want to do a research project on this because in general, I don't like Jesus movies. The, the, the best way I have been able to describe it in general, Jesus movies, is that Jesus in some form or another always comes over as two-dimensional, right. just flat. And mm-hmm. either they, they can't capture both the divinity of Jesus or they miss out on the humanity of Jesus. And mm-hmm. like you said, he's always portrayed oddly, especially in the early versions. Mm-hmm. Jesus is as white, sometimes looking like a ghost, right? <laughs> or an angel or spirit himself. And so that's, uh, that's another topic for another day because that is not the case in The Chosen. Just a little context on The Chosen, and I'm certainly no expert on this, but it, supposedly it is the first multi-part series TV episode version of Jesus that's ever been produced. And another interesting thing about it is it has been crowdfunded, which you think crowdfunded, you think low budget, low scale, yeah. little uh, just uh, skin and bones in terms of the financing. Mm-hmm. Financing has been very successful. And as you said, your friend said it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I would say the production mm-hmm. quality is very high on this, mm-hmm. that you really feel yeah. like you're watching something that's very well done. This might be a, an overstatement, but sometimes Christian arts can, mm-hmm. can come over as just a, a, a low budget version of, mm-hmm. of the secular arts, but I don't get that didn't get that sense at all from yeah, no. from this at all. And one example of that, oh, go ahead. I really enjoyed the uh, the opening music to it. Yes. Yeah, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so. The fish swimming backwards. Yes, the, the, the video, as simplistic as the imaging is, it, it really produces emotion for sure. Something that I realized after listening to this, that many of the producers, Dallas Jenkins is like the top out, he and a couple of other folks said that one of their inspirations was The Wire, which was an HBO show. And that intro has a little feel, I think, of The Wire intro. So I don't know if, if that has any influence on it at all. But mm-hmm. this is something that has, I think, become a phenomenon of, of sorts that it started off known, but not super well known, even in uh, evangelical Christian communities. But it has grown in popularity with this fourth season. I've heard more buzz about it now uh, than I had before, maybe because I'm aware of it now and looking for it. But mm. but let's go ahead and let's do a game show. All right. All right. So this game show is called Dale's Got It Right or Dale's Got It Wrong. Mm. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna share some statements, and I, I'm gonna say right now I don't fully. Embrace all these statements that I'm making. Some of them are, are for the purposes of the show. But mm-hmm. I want to get your opinions on these and just have a conversation about each of these. So the f- first statement that I have here is, The Chosen is the most Jewish film representation of Jesus and the Gospels that there has ever been. I think you have it right. I haven't seen every single. Yay! <laughs> I don't know that I've seen every single rep- representation, but I think they are taking pains to make sure they do honor Jesus. Jewish identity. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, even with him going to bed praying in Hebrew and mm. just these little nuances to his character, and they mm-hmm. like take the time to include that. I agree. But. Yeah, and I would say even just in terms of his physical appearance too. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah, so often Jesus movies will have a, a, a white actor into the '90s and 2000s even, and so even the physical appearance of all the actors, yeah. but just so often. Like they have these little vignettes at the beginning of the episode sometimes, like in a ba- breaking mm. bad way. And sometimes they're in different eras of history, right? Yeah. And, and you're wondering, what is that in there for? 
Yeah. And it's to explain the Jewish context mm-hmm. behind something that's going to happen later in the episode yeah, right. that I always I thought was amazing. They have had Jewish consultants. Right. That's one of the other things I don't know where I get in. This is an evangelical project, obviously, but they have Jewish consultants. Mm. They had a Catholic consultant. Yep. They 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 have a variety of consultants. So you're saying, yeah, like you're aware of that? Yeah. That, yeah. That's something that's well known? That's so. right. Yeah. And there's lots of additional material available on the YouTube or on the Angel app site. Like in addition to the episode, you can learn a lot about production background and who their some of their consultants are. They're intentional decision to have a Jewish Jesus and to honor the Jewish traditions. So you see them mm. practicing various things in the, in the episodes. Yeah. And I didn't mention that at the beginning, but angel is the production company that has mm-hmm. created this. It used to be vid angel. Now it's angel yeah. productions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anything else about, about it? I love how they explain the Holy days mm. when we're talking, when they're talking about Jesus, they, they always make an effort to, explain the Jewish context in a way that part of a conversation, no narration or anything like that, but just somehow they work it in so people are aware. And I think if this series does nothing else than to really drill home for its audience that Jesus comes from a a Jewish culture, the things that Mm -hmm. he was doing was rooted in Jewish life. I think that's a very important thing that sometimes contemporary Christianity just uh, just yeah. misses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. It feels very organic in the way that they do it. Yeah, where it's not like, here's our teaching time on Jewish <laughs> exactly. culture. And this is conversation. These are characters interacting with each other, but very like well done in the way that they're communicating parts of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I have that right in talking about your students that, that when you're teaching them that you have to really drill home the idea of just how Jewish Jesus was? Or do you, most of them? Yeah, I think at this that. point, people typically get that up front, though I do still emphasize it and highlight certain portrayals they may have seen before. Most of them haven't seen the old Jesus of Nazareth movie, but if you do, you see... had the, the bright blue eyes. Yeah, he has the blue <laughs> eyes and he never blinks. Come up portraying them oddly, <laughs> like intentionally never blinking, eyes always wide open. So yeah, we... Speaking the King's English as well. And they, they always have a British accent. I'm glad they didn't do that either in this one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Chosen, you know. The Romans... A little bit have some of them, yeah, yeah, have, have a little bit of a uh, American accents are always sound funny in a historical depiction of something. So there are some with American English accents, but someone should try with a southern is. accent in, a, in yeah, an epic right. in, a, in a historical period. Be like a record scratch. Like, Yee! What? <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, so you agreed with me as well, Gabriel? Yes, I would agree. Mm-hmm. I just needed the buzz. I just needed the, the yeah, little affirmation there. Know, so. Of course. All right, our, my second question. We should be concerned by all the non-biblical content or extra-biblical content uh, in The Chosen. I don't think so. I don't think we need to be concerned. Okay. Well, I don't have, have that the, wrong. I don't have, I don't have the <laughs> boo button on here, so you just have to boo me yourself if that's, yeah. if that's the case. I think there's, with any media that you're engaging with, to think critically. And I do appreciate that the show has the, at least it, I think in the first season had this, where it was like, we encourage you to go read the Gospels for yourself. And I think that kind of promotion of like we're taking scripture and we are using our creative giftings to fill in things right. that we don't have in the Bible. I personally would have liked them to have put that at the beginning of every episode, mm-hmm. I think, because I think that's a very, that's very helpful to, to remind people. I know that kind of pulls you out sometimes. Yeah. Of, of that. But, and I meant to acquire that they, mm-hmm. that, they, that they put in there. Yeah. But thinking critically is like, that's never a bad thing. But I, even as watching this, like being like, oh, is there anything in here that's like a red flag? And it's like, I have not had any issues, honestly, with the things that they've brought forward. And still, and watching it, yeah, with the, the lens of this is 
creative liberty and doing it in a way that is glorifying to God the way songwriters do. It's like songwriters include these things that aren't necessarily, that's the exact passage in the Bible, but it's... So it doesn't say sloppy wet kiss anywhere in the... (laughs) No, it is in there. in the Bible. (laughs) It's in that message remix. The message remix. All right, I'm going going way off the the chart here, but uh, I do, I forget what the exact phrase is, but... Often when they play that song that I just referenced. How He Loves it, yeah. by David Crowder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That when you actually sing it in church services, sometimes they, they will take that verse and change it to something else. Unforeseen kiss. Yeah, the show sometimes gets criticism for not sticking to just the words of scripture, which then you would still have to take the four gospels and blend them together to try mm. to make Jesus be saying precisely what the gospels have Jesus saying. And it seems that they are careful and responsible with the kind of creative license they've taken so far. And they might try to bring to life a character that in scriptures you just don't know that much about. So you get to know more about, say, Nicodemus, for instance, and a sense of but, what but it would have been because, like. But do we? Because do we know that Nicodemus was that involved all throughout Jesus' ministry? No, we don't know that. But So the point is, is this an outrageous sort of leap or is it a, a logical leap? Is it something that's like within the realm of possibility? To me, it seems like they've kept to this is not an irrational or totally out there guess. So one of the big the big ones is Matthew, for instance, is portrayed. The disciple Matthew is portrayed in a certain way in the chosen. He's portrayed as being on the autism spectrum. And someone might think that's too much creative license. You're just making stuff up. But then to that to dig into why there's a whole little extra they did on this about why they make that decision that you can watch. And I I actually was surprised by it at first, but it also struck me as someone who's taught Matthew many times in an academic setting that that's actually not outside the realm of possibility for someone. He's very careful in his detail. His gospel is very, it's highly organized. He was a tax collector, so someone who was good with details and money and puts the gospel together with this sort of precision. To imagine a disciple being in someone who's on the spectrum is one, it's not, a, it's not a bad move, I don't think. And it actually opens up the possibility. They talk about one of the musicians, I think, for the show, also has was on the autism spectrum and participated in playing music for the show and the deep connection she felt to the disciple Matthew as a result of that, helping people see that Jesus was calling ordinary people from all walks of life who probably had all kinds of various backgrounds and issues and struggles, and they're making the practical theological point that anybody can be. With Jesus especially and all the other characters, I think the humanness is probably my favorite thing of all of it, where the first opening episodes, Jesus at some point is like washing his hands and like doing a bedtime routine. And it struck me as I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. And I was like, I've never considered Jesus having a bedtime routine or having to take care of his teeth or wash his face or fold his clothing. Or being terrible at sports. Or being terrible at sports. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a big theme of the whole show. It's just like all of these people are humans, Christ included. And that's powerful. And part of the purpose of the multi-part series and for being so long so they can take that time to go in and develop characters. And so they're not just these plastic people who are walking up, getting healed and, and running yeah. on their way. Yeah. That, that, that understanding who they were, what they were coming from in an imaginative way. Here's my concern. I agree. Actually, I agreed with everything you said. So I, uh, everything you said, I, I love. But especially for those who are not steeped in the Bible, but even those like me who are pretty well uh, steeped in the Bible, when you add these extra things, 
it can get confusing as to yeah. whether what's biblical and what's oh, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And I, I, I find myself, that's not in the Bible, is it? And I, and I oh, go yeah, look yes. it up and say, okay, I'm, all right, I'm not making things up. I actually up. had a student make this mistake in a like an answer to well, a test. You yes. Know, they said, didn't Jesus did this and said this? And I said, no, you're taking that from the chosen, not from the, <laughs> the Bible. So be sure to go yeah. back. Mm. And, and so I do am concerned about that. And there, I'll give a specific example later in one of my questions. But like Matthew, I find I found Matthew to be powerful, right? The, the redemption that comes from him being a tax collector and, mm. and just the way he's welcomed and even seeing his differentness yep. as being a strength for the disciples. Yep. Wonderful. And I read someone else from the Gospel Coalition saying very much the same thing. I'm on the spectrum and this... This was so meaningful to me. But I do worry about people conflating these things and not realizing. I had someone at my church say they needed to have a little flag at the top or something yeah. <laughs> that, that mm. says, this is from the Bible. Okay, this, and, then, and, then, and then have it off when it's not. Okay, this is from yeah. the Bible and this is not. Yeah. Or, or, I don't know how serious he was being about that. But I, I do worry about conflation that so much extra is brought in. If the ratio was different, I think I'd be mm. a little less concerned. But it's about, I'm making this up, about 80-20. Only about 20% of the stuff is like directly mm. stories from yeah. the Bible. And there's so much else that, that I do wonder mm. if it will get it mixed up in a way that will be, yeah. could be detrimental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. And I think, John, like you, I'm very picky like this. I do think the gaps that they fill in and the imagination that they use, mm-hmm. in your terms, Gabrielle, does glorify God, is sin- sincere effort to imagine yeah. what it would be like in a way that I would usually be critical of. You know? Oh, that wouldn't yeah. be that. Oh, that, that, could, mm. that, that, that couldn't be. But I, I found myself very moved by the stuff that they have added very yeah. often. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good if we can use it as conversation starters. Of, it's good conversation starters about Jesus and also for people who are in the church for reflecting on, like, help get inside these gospel stories that we, maybe you hear the reading in church on Sunday or you've read it devotionally, mm-hmm. but to help them come alive. And part of the goal is, one of the things I think they do really well is getting the spirit of Jesus. They seem to just have hit that solidly well, like the, the spirit of what he was. Hold on to that, because we'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. Mm-hmm. What, what would you all say to one of the members of my church? Because I showed very moving, in, in addition to Matthew having yeah. these autistic characteristics, you have James, which they refer to as little James, yeah. having a physical disability. And there's, I, I showed this uh, part to my church where I said, where there's this wonderful six minute exchange yeah. between little James and, and Jesus. Why aren't you healing me yeah. right now? Yeah. There's no evidence in the Bible that James had this physical, That's but right. that six minute discussion mm-hmm. is powerful to anybody yeah. who has mm-hmm. been chronically ill or has a, has a physical disability. But when I showed this to my church, a lot of people liked it and, and enjoyed it. But one person, and he wasn't, he said it very graciously, it wasn't, wasn't hostile or anything. He said, but doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that you don't put anything, there's nothing that you should, mm. I should have looked up the verse before I, I'm, I'm saying it this way, mm. but the, uh, it's good on its own. You don't need to add anything to it, and it's actually oh, wrong yeah. to add anything to it. So mm. what would you say to someone like that who takes more of a the Bible than only the Bible kind of approach yeah. to their, mm. their understanding? I think the chosen is not claiming to be the Bible uh, directly. It's not claiming to be inspired in the same way the scriptures are. It's mm. trying to artistically help these stories come to life for people first and Kind of so, like a Ben Hur kind of thing. The, the, the Jesus is proclaiming. Yeah, he's there, right? Yeah, now. yeah. I don't think that's in the Bible. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I've been heard. But there is actually, anyway. There's like, in that moment, they're making a kind of a theological point about someone who suffers from an ailment or something and they're not healed. How might they walk faithfully in that? So you have these moments where they are they're inserting things into the story to teach a, something that is true, like Christians would still affirm this truth mm-hmm. that's being illustrated. Even if that's not something that 
happened in the text. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue here is I think people who are in, who know the arts well, who know literature well, even many people who study how history is written, historiography, can get this stuff and roll with it and appreciate it. And I find that people like literature types usually are better at getting what the Bible's after than say, like engineering types, like the people who say, <laughs> so no, I need all my... Now be careful there. My, my wife was an engineer. <laughs> yeah, they often, I often, often experience people like that who want the Bible to function like instructions for how to construct something. And so they, mm-hmm. all the I's have to be dotted in the T's. I mean, people will call it God's instruction book sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, I cringe when I when I Yeah, when it's I like the, me- the mechanism of instruction is not what you would expect or mm-hmm. think it should be. Like they need it to be very precise and almost like a mathematical book if mm. you will, and don't know how to handle that. How come Jesus says it this way in Mark's gospel, and he says it differently in Luke's gospel? What are we to, to make of that? You're actually make, creating a problem that doesn't actually exist given yeah. the world in which these means function, how they operate. I remember when I was growing up and trying to really get into the Bible and, and, and understand it, I was always frustrated when Jesus never said flat out, yes, I'm the Messiah. It was always you yeah. say so, or, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's like, yeah, right. and I didn't understand the context behind it. And so how come he's being wily there? He's, yeah. you know, he's not, he's not coming out. Yeah, I've uh, heard one of my professors used, we were talking about the book of Revelation, for instance, and he says, people want it to be a puzzle book where it's just a bunch of puzzle pieces that you put together. And if you can figure out the right way to put it together, then you see mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. But the literary genre is functioning more like a picture book. So imagine a children's picture book. It's not a puzzle with pieces. It's painting pictures for you. And each of these pictures has a powerful message to communicate, but you got to be willing to see the pictures and let them do what they're trying to do rather than trying to force them to do what you want them to do, which is give you a detailed map of the future or the present or something like that. Yeah. So I think like the chosen is just trying to help these stories come alive for us, not say, we think this is what really happened, like a scholarly account. Mm, or, yeah. I think, I- Think about that where it's like the the core issue seems to be biblical literacy and watching The Chosen is not going to fix biblical (laughs) illiteracy. It's like that's what you're trying to amend. Like you do need to go read the text. You do need to go study. And this is not doing that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like John's saying. Mm -hmm. Using this psychological term, it does help us get the gestalt though, right? The the big picture of who Mm -hmm. Jesus was and and what he did, Mm -hmm. just not the the details. So great. I'm going to give myself, even though I was wrong on that, I'll give the conversation a a thumbs up. All right. Uh, Gabrielle, you get us started on this one here. So here's our next question. Jesus' personality and demeanor in The Chosen is consistent with the way he is portrayed in the Gospels. Dale's got it right or Dale's got it wrong? I want to say yes. No, you want to say Dale's got it right. Dale's got it right. All right. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. I think the point of the show is it is making you think about the character and personality and demeanor of Christ. And so none of us know for sure, like what tone he was talking to Nicodemus with, but I think it was thought provoking. It was thought provoking to me to be like, wow, how did that come across when he's telling Nicodemus that he must die and be reborn again? And like, how can you say that seriously when you know that doesn't make any sense to the person you're talking to? And I don't know. I think it, Again, it's like we can't know for sure, but mm-hmm. the Christ that I have come to know and come to understand in the character of God that I have come to see throughout the Bible, it's like it felt very consistent. Just in my spirit, it felt consistent with yeah. who I know Christ to be. And I really love how you put it in terms of tone, right? I've always wondered that. I often wonder that when I'm reading passages of scriptures, this being said in a very gentle tone, yeah. oh, ye of little faith. 
Or yeah. is it being said, oh, ye of little faith, right? They're so <laughs> different. That's <laughs> yeah. so different. Yeah. So I often wonder how do we insert tone into Jesus's words? But I agree. My my sense of who Jesus is very consistent with that. that way. Yeah. So I, I think the actor and the writing has done a really excellent job with this because Jesus isn't just one way. Depending on where you are, maybe on the theological spectrum, you want Jesus always meek, mild, and gentle, or you want Jesus always for harsh and you know, proclaiming the truth. And the fact is the Gospels portray him with this dynamic, you know, mm. that he is compassionate and gentle with people at certain times and harsh with people at times. And that actually comes across in the story too. So for instance, when he's rebuking James and John in one of the episodes for their desire to want to, you know, rain down mm. <laughs> wrath on these people who yeah. they perceive as their enemies, Jesus is, takes them away and he's rebuking them harshly such that even watching the show, you're, ooh, you know, that, that was tough. But he's <clears throat> clearly also loving them. You see it, that story in the whole context of the, the show. There was another moment where he's, really frustrated with the Jewish authorities for the, is that passage where he's talking to them about how they emphasize the minor parts of the law. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. He says to him, he's like, you've neglected the more important matters. And you can see in the presentation of the actor, he's frustrated. He's, he's mm. angry with them because of this. And I think they portray that. Yeah. The early portrayals of redemption of Mary, to a lesser degree, mm. Matthew, just the way Jesus does that is just was powerful. He's yeah. moving to me. The the early as he's calling the disciples, I found how they portray Jesus there to be very good. And I agree that the the person who plays Jesus is excellent. It really yeah. does feel like Jesus sometimes mm-hmm. in ways that I rarely get mm-hmm. in other portrayals. Mm-hmm. For sure. Have they captured Jesus's feisty prophet side yet? He hasn't gone into Jerusalem for the for, for the big crescendo, but do you get that at all? That's what I was just alluding to. He's being feisty, calling people out. And, yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, is he even getting there in the show? It's being portrayed in such a way that he's becoming more bold and more vocal as he's heading towards yeah. Jerusalem, which fits with the gospel trajectory of the mounting tension with religious authorities. Just keeps getting mm-hmm. bigger and bigger mm-hmm. as the story goes. I agree totally that it has a nice. It's building mm-hmm. yeah. to those more prophetic and more feisty moments. The, the episode that I'm thinking of, which forgive me because I can't remember what town he's in, but it's when he goes into the synagogue and he oh. reads the passage from what was Isaiah maybe? And it's like, I have come to free the captives. And he's like, this is true now. Like it, I'm the yeah. one who's coming. That's, to a, that's, a, that's a great scene. And it's, I remember watching it cause I'm like naturally a people pleaser. And so like <laughs> watching the room go from oh, buddy, this is so fun that you're here. Why don't you read a passage for us for synagogue today? And then like everyone's slowly like angry at him and he like mic drops and like, they like obviously try to kill him is how the story goes. But it's just like, that to me was like feisty prophet right there where it was like that's it, it was totally controlled too yes in the way yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. was i love it surely you're not saying this he goes that's i think I'm i was pretty clear <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah at one point they say he didn't use those words and he says well that's what i meant <laughs> oh yes that, that, that is a, I, I, yeah. and and they don't overdo the humor but man they they, they really oh, yeah. do capture in a, in yeah. a way that that I that I really I really have, have enjoyed thoroughly. Another scene, since we're talking about uh, favorite scenes, 
I like that his cousin, John the Baptist, is right. Yeah. Come on, you got to yeah. pull the trigger. Let's go. We got business yeah. to do. Let's go. And he's, he's I, I like his portrayal mm-hmm. of just being a little out there, like that, right. that, that friend who <laughs> just wants to go in head first to yeah. everything. And so he's pushing Jesus to do this. And Jesus says, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Yeah. And then they come back to the camp. And there's somebody who's being possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. And Jesus runs over there and just starts yelling, out, out, get yeah. out, get out. And the, the mm. demon does leave. Yeah. And the, the guy is just laying on the ground healed. And there's just like total quiet. And everyone's in stunned disbelief of this display of power of passing this demon out. And just all very quiet. And then just mm. out in the distance, tiny little image of John the Baptist. Yeah! <laughs> that's awesome. I, I haven't laughed that hard at anything, and certainly not in yeah, a Jesus movie, funny. but in, in any recent movie oh, that I yeah. can think of. It mm. was just, the timing was great, and just, it, I really enjoyed that. Mm. All right, so we all agree with that. All right, Dale is right, or Dale is wrong. The chosen is errant in the way it gives authority to the Bible. And here, I'll go ahead and explain that. Mm-hmm. One thing that probably the biggest thing that has not bothered me, I don't know, I just every time they have Matthew writing stuff down, to me that takes too much license and that puts an authority on the Bible that it was being written down while it was happening. Mm. And John, you can correct me, but that just does not seem accurate, that they weren't spending time there documenting what was going on. Mm. And even in things that were done in private, Matthew keeps saying, you're going to tell me about that, right? You're going to tell me about that because I need to get it down. Yeah. And that puts authority on the Bible in a way that it is history in a very uh, authoritative way because it was news, right? They were writing down what was happening as it was going on. Mm-hmm. And that just that seems wrong. And, and for something as the, the way the Bible has authority is different, and we shouldn't pretend otherwise, mm-hmm. is, is my opinion on that. But it's a creative way of suggesting through the show that how these things go from event to text. What we don't have in the Gospels, yes, it's not a video transcript. It's not as if uh, someone were there transcribing everything that happened. That's not what the Gospels claim to be. But there is also evidence that students of rabbis did dictate or take notes on things that their rabbis were teaching them as early as the first and second century. Mm. So I've come across this in study and teaching. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that one of them and Matthew slash Levi being someone probably of a a little higher literacy, maybe making notes. So that's not outside the realm. Okay. That's helpful to me because it Mm -hmm. just seems, especially if you are nomadic like they were, you're being around that you're not going to have, they actually hand him a little, and I think Jesus says, you might be needing this or or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, I did like the vignette at the beginning of one of the episodes where they show them older. Yes, and, I was thinking and, that And too, Matthew yeah. was writing it down. Yeah. And so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It seems consistent. But to be documenting it as it went along, so maybe I'm being a little bit too harsh on that, but that just seemed to be a stretch to me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's a thoughtful critique. Interesting. I didn't know that about yeah mm-hmm. rabbis and their disciples or their followers. So nothing more about biblical accuracy or well, portrayal? Just in general, in terms of the philosophy of the show, they want to honor the scriptures, and the scriptures are the authoritative account of the life of Jesus, the only ones we have, it's the only ones the church has ever had. So how do we know anything about Jesus at all? It's from the New Testament writings and specifically the gospel writings. So they are reliable access in terms of the witnesses, learning the what did the eyewitnesses and their 
the people who come immediately after them, how did they remember Jesus? What did they say about him? We don't have any other access to Jesus aside from these documents where we could say, this is what really happened. or this. Is. So the Bible does function authoritatively for us. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying there's an authoritative in that this is our best documentation, but there's also an authoritative, this was written down at that moment, mm-hmm. which is one step toward... God's yeah. hand was on the hand of the, the author writing it down, so it's totally inerrant because it was written by God, not by humans. That's a testament of faith. And so yeah. I just thought that was one step too far for yeah. for me. It seems like a tricky thing to portray. What would you have imagined a more accurate way to convey how Scripture was written down? Like the vignette where he's like writing, is that like a more... Maybe even multiple times doing that mm-hmm. vignette to, to, to remind us that the, these things, mm-hmm. you know, were being recorded by people who were there and who were yeah. witnesses. I think that's important yeah. because you have other people who say, you know, this was all made up after the fact and everything. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's pretty clear from the Gospels and the Book of Acts that people were definitely convinced of what they had seen yeah. and experienced. And, mm-hmm. and so if that's authoritative to me more in a way that doesn't need to be what we consider, we do have a different standard now, right? Was there a witness and do we have video, you know, I'll believe it when I see it type of mentality. And I just don't think, it doesn't seem like it would be that way. I don't know if the, what you said, John, earlier about taking notes of the rabbis, I'd be curious to know if any of them were like traveling rabbis, right? That mm-hmm. When you're in the midst of the ministry, rather than sitting down at, the, at their feet and hearing the lectures and, and such, whether that would happen. But that is helpful mm-hmm. that maybe I'm being overly harsh on that. And just for the sake of trusting the Gospels, one thing I think about is Jesus says things in a way that are often, in ways that are often easy to remember. So he's telling a story or it's a short kind of statement. He's not giving these long discourses or long treatises that are very complicated. Often it's easy to remember stuff that he's probably saying many times as he goes from one place to another. Mm. So the trajectory in terms of New Testament canon formation, you're going from eyewitness accounts to the oral tradition to written documents, and that oral tradition season is anywhere from 30 to 40 years after the time of Jesus. But we're not dealing with content that would be hard or difficult for people to pass on in their memory given the... Because he was a storyteller, right? And that's yeah. very, very memorable, right? Yeah, it's not right. systematic theology. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Mm. So, Dale's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this one I'll already go ahead and say that I think the answer is Dale is wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, I just wanted to bring this up as a point of conversation. Dale is right, Dale is wrong. We should be concerned by the association or connection of this series to the Left Behind series. Hmm. Dale is right, Dale is wrong. And again, I'll just go ahead and give the context here. I was totally shocked when I found out that Dallas Jenkins, who is the the producer of this of this series is the son of Jerry B. Jenkins, mm-hmm. was one of the co-authors of, not of the Left Behind series. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And these two series yeah. seem like yeah. on opposite ends oh. <laughs> of, of the portrayal of Christian faith in one yeah. way or another. One, yeah. the gentle, compassionate, mm. but also feisty, yeah. Jesus, and then the rapture. And yeah. Yeah. So I said, what's going on with that? And his father, Jerry B. Jenkins, is novelizing these now. Mm. Really, and I don't know. I don't think they're out yet, but but he is converting these into novels. So Where you hmm. hope the the sins of the father aren't <laughs> passed on. To this. Uh, I, I say that joke. Okay. I think even in the Left Behind series, if I remember right, Jerry B. Jenkins was more of the storyteller, 
contributor, whereas Tim LaHaye was more of the theological contributor to those things. And most of the problems that people have with them, like problems I have with Left Behind series, are the theological problems, not yeah. the storytelling well, it's, issues. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it's fascinating. In the little tiny bit of research I did on this, even major newspapers were complimenting the storytelling, yeah. which I found to be yeah. interesting. That I would have thought they would have just dismissed it out of hand because mm-hmm. of the theology behind it. And this is also, can't go on this, but when you look up the pictures of Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins, Jerry B. Jenkins is always smiling. <laughs> Tim, Tim, Tim LaHaye, not so much. Yeah. I do find that interesting, and I would love to hear Jerry B. Jenkins' mm-hmm. thoughts, yeah. thoughts on that, now being yeah. part of two big projects, two yeah. really major Christian phenomenon in the yeah. literary world. Uh, it's also sort of probably something neat there, to Dallas being able to grow up in that semi-artistic environment where there's books and movies being produced, and then him learning to be... Uh, a director, a producer, a very writer. good one by all yeah. appearances. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Almost like that was necessary background for Dallas to be able to do what he's doing. Yeah, it equipped him for yeah. making the chosen now. So maybe y'all are saying we needed the Left Behind series yeah. in order for us to get the chosen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Only the Lord knows. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good a good fallback into a, a right. Jesus series rather than a yeah. So you agree with me that those both seem very different, right? Oh <laughs> that, yes. That, mm-hmm. the, the, the the connection there is very surprising to me. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting. But we shouldn't. But we shouldn't judge the chosen yeah. or be worried about the connection there in, in any way. It would be funny if they get to series six and then just everything. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it just, it just goes into a Left Behind movie. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is the prequel. Yes, that would right. Be, that would be disappointing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Gabrielle, what haven't we talked about uh, that you'd like to talk about? Anything about the series or anything? You said you talked about your friend who was being evangelistic about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have several friends who have watched it and all reacting pretty much the same way? Oh, or? yeah. I feel like it's pretty common for people to have watch parties, lots of Bible studies. We'll oh, really? We'll, we'll hang use this. out in okay. – watch an episode a week and talk about it together, um, which I have not had a chance to be a part of that, but obviously have discussed it with friends. And I think that's a great way to do it is to do what we're doing right now is to pick apart and look at, oh, where was this actually explicitly in scripture? Where was their creative license taken? Mm-hmm. What is being, the, like what theological points are they making about Jesus? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, people seem to really yeah. enjoy it and love it. And again, it's, it's just the whole thing of, like Jesus being embodied and mm-hmm. being made real to me. And to, again, I think I already said this, but like the Nicodemus episode really was very important to me. And again, to see this like chapter that is typically, it's just like all these bullet points in the Bible of here's a point, here's a point, here's a point. And you're like, how in the world did that make sense in a conversation? And it was like a light bulb went off in my brain to like watch this portrayal of Jesus, have a conversation with Nicodemus, mm-hmm. and somehow these points did flow into one another and did make a coherent statement. And I was like, that's shocking, because to me, they were so disparate and confusing, and I think it was powerful to see that. I like that. You're right. Sometimes in, in Scripture, it is you know just documenting things Jesus said without a whole lot of the context, mm-hmm. or it's not a... Very rarely is it a full conversation where you're getting both people, and so yeah. I, I agree with you that seeing, oh... That would make sense in how this comes up. I I I do that a lot as well. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Just putting some flesh and bones on Indeed. words that we read all the time. I also appreciate it just highlights from the show, but the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. it was a huge buildup yes. to it. And yes. I think that was something I'd never even considered. It was like, oh, I wonder what it was like to prepare yeah. and like how much did Jesus actually prepare? And yeah. 
I like that they showed both the logistical preparation on mm-hmm. how are, we know lots of people are going to be coming out for this and mm-hmm. how are we going to do it. And then it made me think in that in a judgmental way or, or – but. So Jesus really had to sit there and think how to say this, the very mm-hmm. human aspect of preparing mm-hmm. a, a very important speech. Mm-hmm. And he's human, so I guess you would sit yeah. there and say, what's the most effective way of doing that? Rather than just mm-hmm. this disembodied spirit having the words already, and I, I've already got exactly what needs to be said, and mm-hmm. I don't have to give it any reflection. I, I, that was a, a thought-provoker yeah, moment for me. Right. Yeah, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the fact that Jesus had to pray as often as he did. And it's, yeah, it wasn't just this divine zapping of knowledge and ability, but he's like, he's communing with the Father. He's reflecting, he is thinking. And mm-hmm. and it's not too much of a stretch, in my opinion, to think about him trying to decide, like, how do I best communicate this to people and take these huge theological truths and put them into stories that they will remember? And a common person can walk away and think about that for days. I like that a lot. I think for me, this is one of the most human representations of Jesus without sacrificing the divine yeah. aspects. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It so often yeah. comes down to either or in these portrayals in film. Indeed. And I think this really does a great job of, of showing the, mm. the fully yeah. human and fully divine. Yeah. One other thing, my, my husband I think is less excited about The Chosen than I am. He still likes it. But he had made the comment of he did not enjoy the additional like romantic things happening between some of the disciples. And I was curious, I don't know, if, did that bother either of you? Do you know what, do you know what I'm talking about? You're the one married to him, so what does this say? Oh, yeah, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think he is more like black and white than I tend to be. And so I think for him it's like that is irrelevant to the story starts to feel rom-commy when this is supposed to be about the bible (laughs) here's what i'll say uh, attached to that and i and i've got good and bad point to it i do think that they're going so much into the backgrounds of some of these characters that it has started to feel like has is dragging a little bit for me Mm. i was immediately fascinated i was i binged so hard when i first uh, i didn't watch this until within the last couple of months okay. uh, when I found out the fourth season was coming because I said, oh, you, Dale, you've put this off long enough. But I was worried about, especially my bias, coming from conservative evangelical kind of circles that it was, you know, but so I had a, a bias there that I have to confess. And so I just binged and I was just fascinated and I was mm. just taken out. I was being moved to, for emotions and tend to be more analytical when I watch things. And so it was just wonderful. But then the third season, it just... It started to slow up for me. Mm-hmm. Now, a good part of that is that I am going to have to edit this out. I've got a brain cramp. I think some of that does capture the pacing of what ancient life would be like yeah, yeah, right. in, in, in Israel, that things just didn't go from here. It's, it's not like Mark where, bang, things are happening yeah. every moment, right? Mm-hmm. That there's, there's lots of time in between and there's yeah. just conversations and there's there's family moments and there's there's other things going on rather than just the teachings and just the right. these historical moments. That's so true. So there's something good about, about that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when it gets into so much imagination mm-hmm. in terms of the romance, but I haven't for a moment thought, oh, that's too much romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah personally wish that they had gone through Peter and Eden's mm-hmm. miscarriage. The miscarriage that that they dragged the tension between them out a little longer than I would have liked. I was mm-hmm. drawing on when I found out what the issue was, I said, well, that's good, but this is me being critical with zero editing and not knowledge mm-hmm. of, yeah. of of movie making. So maybe it was perfect yeah. in mm-hmm. the way that it was done. But for me that I said they were showing her I said, come on, you're a good family. Had that conversation. The conversation's coming. Go ahead and have it uh, in a way that's necessary. So, I like those things pretty well. To me, they're not unreasonable guesses as to the kinds of things 
the disciples could be facing. So the show is called The Chosen. There's a sense in which it's focusing on the disciples, their stories. And a lot of that, since we don't know much background to them, we know Peter's married, but we don't know... Did they ever have issues? But we do. And so he's, you know, they're making, they're constantly making those connections with the audience to help the audience see themselves in the story, I think. Mm. And that becomes pretty powerful because in my mind, nothing's been portrayed that's just an unreasonable thing. You know, Mm. should we imagine that none of the other disciples were ever interested in, you know, in marriage or in one of the, in one of the females coming along as a disciple as well? That seems reasonable and it's done respectfully and you actually learn some things about the culture in the process right yeah. Yeah. in terms of how the relationships could be pursued or how a mm-hmm. marriage or engagement could be yeah. pursued and that's interesting this is maybe a bad point time to bring it up but one of the things i also like about the chosen a lot is even though all the apostles are men right they really incorporate women very much into the oh, movie yeah. and they're 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 seen as central and integral and yeah. important now, Indeed. bringing it up during rom-com moment, maybe <laughs> diminishing that point because it, yeah. it's far more than that in terms of, yeah. you know, they, they have uh, two of the women being very instrumental in, yeah. you know, f- raising funds for, mm-hmm. for the mission and, and doing very important things. The whole first episode focused on Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Very, very much. I was going to mention t- just a minute ago that I often – there's certain scenes that are run more closely to the biblical – narrative. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will use those scenes in a class or a sermon to illustrate it for the reason of helping people to imagine it, get inside the story, experience it from another in another way, not just reading it, but hearing it, seeing it. Might have been like, you know. We, we live in the age of the image, right? Yeah. So We're all doing yeah. this in our heads anyway. When we read the text, we're imagining what it would be like. When we read about Jesus, we're imagining what he might have looked like, how he might have sounded. And this has given you one person or a group of people's ima- version of their imagination when they read the text. We're already doing this anyway. We can listen to theirs. Gabrielle, you work with John probably more than anybody else. Yeah. Are you surprised by how, you know, you know his critical mind, right? And so are you surprised by how holy he is embracing the chosen? No. No, I think something about John is that he looks for the places he can affirm and encourage good work that's being done. So I think John is quick quick to... Not just because he can't find any fault with you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but just in general, I think when he engages with our students, when he engages with anyone who's like trying to wrestle with theology, he's like quick to encourage them in what they're doing right rather than highlight the places they're going wrong. So that's not surprising. That's a very chaplainy thing to do. I wasn't asking you to give compliments to you. No, <laughs> to your supervisor. That's true. I've seen. Oh, good. That's good. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I knew we got a good one way back in the day. Good. Anything else that we haven't talked about that, that we should? I'm looking forward to the fourth season. I've heard from some students who've already gone to see the first three episodes that have been released in theater and they feel like the production quality and writing just keeps getting better and better. Wow. And wow. it'll Very be good. I think I'll probably wait for it to stream, but I might yeah, all of a sudden get the get the urge and run out and watch it, but yeah, it's three hours in the theater, right? Uh, yeah, indeed, three uh, three wow. episodes at it, or maybe not quite three because it's forty five minutes times three, so wow. they show three episodes at a time. Oh, I, if I could maybe add a final comment, and this may be just as a recommendation for the show. One of the things I think is powerful about it, and I'm just saying this as a Christian, as a minister, that if it has the opportunity to reintroduce Jesus to people who maybe already think they know him or already think they have, maybe they have a preconceived idea of what they think Jesus is like, either coming from the churches they've grown up in, or Christians they've met, or images they've seen, and stained glass or whatever, and maybe it's been an image that was off-putting, or the impression they got was off-putting, 
I would just say, let watch this story with an open heart and mind, mm-hmm. knowing it is reflecting the scripture. Let it lead you to the scriptures, of course, but also let it reintroduce Jesus to you afresh to see him maybe again for the first time. Well, I can't think of a better place to, to stop the conversation. And I wish you had said that at the very beginning, because that, was, that, was, that, that, that itself was quite moving, and, and, I, and I totally agree with that. So. Well, Mrs. Rose, thank you so much thank for, you, for coming and, and sharing. And uh, John, thank you very much for your, for your you. comments as well. So. And I want to thank our audience for sitting around the table with us today. And I hope we have provided you with some food for thought and something to chew on. I guess if we're doing Jesus Christ Movie Star, i got to come up with a different outro, you know. So, <laughs> attaching it to movie, movie uh, imagery. So. Some but, hallelujah chorus and stuff, you know. That's right. So. Well, we might not be done yet. So after we finish the music, we usually have some leftovers where we chat about other things that we thought about afterward and you're welcome to listen in on those as well but thank you so much for listening we appreciate your support this has been church potluck all right we are done but we're still recording okay so you you can leave those on if you want or we can just sit back and chat so that that was, that was really good. And that really was. I really loved what you said at the very end there. That that's uh, exactly how I feel about mm-hmm. about this. Mm. That, and you kind of said at the beginning in a different way, just that even though with all the extra and added stuff, it it glorifies God and does do a, a faithful job of, of, of portraying the, the the character of of, yeah. of of Jesus. Yeah. No. I mean, even I think it's so hard to come by media of any kind that is like good for the soul and so i know it's like just in my very personal life on a friday night what are we gonna watch and it's so nice to be like i watched something you're gonna watch a rom-com with your yeah, husband watch a rom-com with husband. <laughs> no it's, i mean i mean because that's how he's portraying yes it. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i think it's so nice to be like i can watch this show that i'm actually gonna leave feeling nourished mm-hmm. rather than depleted i'm gonna leave feeling rested and thinking more about christ and it's like the fact yep. that there's something ex- that exists out there that's like that that's a show is yeah. Yeah. amazing i think previous media portrayals movie tv show portrayals of jesus have been it's been too easy to sort of critique them um because there's stuff that's just kind of obviously strange or <clears throat> but i was surprised at how moved and touched I was by yeah. watching. Me, me too, totally. And it kind of took me by surprise. I mean, in that first episode when he, <laughs> when Jesus first finally enters the show right at the very end, you know, and he quotes this passage that she's learned as a little girl, you know, <laughs> I've chosen you, you know, <clears throat> um, and then goes up and puts his hands on her, you know, mm. my wife and I are both just like, <laughs> the floodwaters <laughs> open, you know, we're just like crying and, you know, and some of the appreciation of these moments is born out of your own life suffering, you know, and mm. wondering where is Jesus in this, you know, is Jesus with me, is he near me, mm. seeing it portrayed, like there's that moment when one of the disciples, I forget which one at the moment, oh, no, wait, Nathaniel, yeah, is portrayed as having had his businesses fall apart and he's crying out to God, like, where are you? And he feels like... God is nowhere to be found as he's praying. Yeah. And then later in the episode, he meets Jesus, and Jesus says, I saw you. you <laughs> yeah. The tree. Mm. Once again, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like all your own personal life suffering and hardship <laughs> comes to the surface in that moment. You're like, mm. did you see me, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I've been, I was surprised by how it took me emotionally. I don't know if I've got a particular moment, even though I 
haven't had you know any physical deformities or anything that that that, that exchange between little James mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and Jesus because you're telling me to go out and heal people and yeah. here I'm yeah I'm, I'm not healed why and I'm sure yeah. people who suffer like that why mm-hmm. would you not take this away from me isn't that the better thing right mm-hmm. and Jesus is kind of explaining how yeah. yes you would have an amazing story but think about the story you'll have. Mm. That yeah. you were faithful even through this, that you yeah. healed others and comforted others even even through this. That 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 mm-hmm. uh, that that was that touched me very powerfully. Yeah. And I was thinking about this was your, I don't remember which question brought this up, but I was thinking about the fact that we we preach like John and I both preach on Sunday nights at College Church, and the whole idea of preaching is like you are saying more than just the scripture. Like we read the scripture well, yeah. and then you elaborate and you add in other stories that connect or you kind of, you know, add in some commentary on things that are going on and thinking about the chosen doing something very similar and yeah. preaching yeah. being taking the word of God and helping apply it to this current context. And I'm thinking of so many of my students and like me be studying to be a therapist, it's like so many of my students are very in touch with emotion and like mm-hmm. want to connect with something real and something deep. And then for the show to be like a timely thing for this generation who is like, no, that's real. Like what I'm watching is real and it's not just some facts or some theology, but there's story, there's narrative, yeah. there's healing. And so I I've think I've never done good. this during the, uh, the leftover time, yeah. but <laughs> that, that was, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and Indeed. that's how I answer the 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 person at my church who, mm. who said, you know, you don't, you never, you never add or take away from what's in the scripture. And yeah. I said, but that's what preaching is, right? That yeah. that we're finding ways to to explain what uh, yeah. what's being proclaimed in the uh, in in the Bible. So yeah. the the way you said it mm. was, I, I love that mm-hmm. exactly. That's what preaching is, yeah. and this is uh, a preaching, and it's difficult to sometimes find. Preaching exactly how you like it, right? And, yeah, but, yeah. But, but the, the oh, chosen yeah. does right. uh, does does such a good job of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, another scene, you know, the, you know, even though they're taking license with the miscarriage and miscommunication, you know, with <clears throat> between Peter and his Eden, um, I do love it being resolved. Like at the same time, like the powerful imagery of she's doing a cleansing ritual at the moment that oh, I missed that. that Peter is on the water in the storm, and Jesus is walking on the water, and he invites him to walk out on the water too, and he starts to sink. It's like he's sinking at the same time she's going down uh, for mm. cleansing. It, like, oh, maybe I haven't reached there yet. I've got like I got like two oh, episodes sorry, or three well, episodes. Spoiler alert! Right. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> they resolve it, kind of, kind of resolve it at the same time. And it was powerfully done. You know, I got, they, I got the wrong one <laughs> again. <laughs> I saw an excerpt where they were talking about just filming that scene of Jesus walking on the water. They said it was so difficult to figure out how to do it mm. that at one point they said, "We can't do this scene. We're just going to have to skip it." Mm. And uh, then they were like, "It's in the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> we can't skip it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Walking on the water in the theme song." So mm. <laughs> they pull it together. Yeah. So. No, and I think it's good to to think about how human the people who are who are making this show. Like yeah. like before you get super critical, think about if you sat down to try to make a show about Jesus or write a song about oh, Jesus or yeah. write a story. Like it's like it's a lot of pressure. Like that, that's what one of the things that like I've already mentioned has stunned me is just the quality of mm-hmm. of of this, both in the storytelling and in just the production value of it. It's yeah. just uh it's 
it's it's so very impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it, I feel like I'm like I just can't imagine that there hasn't been a ton of prayer making it. You know, like I'm like I feel yeah. like yeah. they had to have asked the Lord for guidance and the Spirit to lead them because it is so, like it's impacting in a way that, in my opinion, has to be beyond just like human abilities and like oh I'm just really smart and good at making shows. It's like this this yeah. is too good <laughs> to just Indeed. be you. Yeah. Indeed, it will be interesting to see. It's legacy, whether this will be just something that's been produced and then mm. 10 years from now, you know, get you know a little bit of streaming and a little bit of attention, or if it's something that will become mm. kind of iconic. Yeah. Because uh, I think it has That'll that, I think it has that potential. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, this interest in authenticity, portraying things well, and as they most likely were, you know, you saw it when the Passion movie was released, Mel Gibson's Passion movie. Yes. Whenever that was, two thousand four or something, you know, yeah. twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's I find that film to be it's difficult to watch because it is so brutal, you know, in its effort to be yeah. accurate in the depiction of Jesus suffering. It's yeah, it's brutal and it's sort of drug out, and that part's tough. But they have little moments where they have flashbacks and they have Jesus. And he actually, you know, in the movies, Jesus speaking yeah. in Aramaic, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like moment at home with his mom while he's building mm-hmm. a table you know you're getting sort of the humanness of jesus yeah. in that moment one of the vignettes shows him as a child right skinning his knee or something yeah, like, like that and getting and comforted yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, that they actually powerfully portray that in the passion this one of my favorite moments she the mom mary's remembering him fall down as yes. a child at the moment he's falling down <laughs> holding the cross yeah uh, and she runs up to him and it's one of the most powerful lines and again it's it's not in the gospels but it's in revelation jesus says behold i'm making all things new and he says it right there in the wow in the she goes to him and he says i'm making all things new yeah mm. it's like i got a little chill just uh, yeah, you, you, you're telling it mm. so yeah that's beautiful. I mean, that was the the one other thing we didn't really talk about was his relationship with Mary and mm-hmm. the one episode where he's doing a bunch of healings and Mary shows up at the end of the day and like helps put yeah. Jesus back to bed and like yeah. has even had these like thoughts of like, maybe he doesn't need me anymore. He doesn't need his Ema. And yeah. it's like, no, he still does. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought, yeah, I think it's moving and... I don't know. I don't know if that how you guys felt about his relationship with Mary. No, I think it was very good. I'm trying to remember when he turned when she convinces him to turn water into wine. I don't think she is as. Uh, sometimes you get a little. He's my son. Yes. <laughs> He's, he'll do what I say, even though it's his first miracle. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was a fun conversation, and I will say just a, just a little surprised uh, just just how much you embraced it. But that, that's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. And he didn't turn the wa- uh, water to grape juice, even though it comes out of this conservative. Well, it's true. No, no. We, we, we confess it's grape juice. Yeah, it was, so, so many so traditions, so many conservative traditions say, you know, it was unfermented yeah. uh, wine, mm. that it really wasn't alcoholic. It wasn't, wasn't the same as what we call wine today. And a uh, little, uh, little uh, historical uh, factoid here. Sure. Maybe when you were at Mount Tabor with us, that you heard me say this once at one point that it was the Methodists who uh, invented grape juice. Yes, or, or a Methodist, right? I do. Welch's. It was a guy named Welch, and yeah. he, it was originally named Welch's unfermented sacramental wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they keep that title? It's so <laughs> I know, catchy. I <laughs> Everybody wants to drink unfermented sacramental wine. Yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, so. Well, thank you all so much. That was a lot of fun. Thank right. you. Thank you, Dale. Great.